and the son of man that thou visitest. You can't turn away from everything in life to talk to him and to let him talk to you. Consecration. Say consecration. consecration. He says, I see you in secret. And he says, he'll reward you openly. So what I do in secret when I'm praying to the Father in the secret place, he reward, my reward is not in secret, but my reward is open. Amen. Say that. My reward is out in the open. Say that again. Out in the open. Out in the open. Not, not in a closet somewhere. Not in a, in a back room somewhere. But our reward is out in the open. Yeah. He'll reward you openly when you turn aside and you consecrate. Spend time in prayer with him. Spend time just decide, you know, my life is yours, God. Amen. That's what consecration is. I'm not mine anymore. Amen. I don't belong to this world. I don't belong to my job. I go and I serve at my job. But my job is not me. It's not who I am. I am a child of God. Yes. And I separate myself for Him. The things that I do, I do because I belong to Him. Not in order to belong to Him, but because I belong to Him. Amen? I consecrate. <clears throat> so we've been, we've been talking about an overflow and an outpouring. This is Overflow October. And uh, we're in overflow and we're preparing for an outpouring. So here's our foundational text. Joshua 3, 5. Joshua told the people, consecrate yourselves. Yes. For tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. Amen. So consecration leads to God doing the amazing things among us. How many of you got some amazing things? Some things that you, you want done in your life or that you need done in your life that you, you would say, you know what? There's some things that I can't even tell anybody about because they're so big. People think I'm crazy. Amen. But God says he can do those amazing things. And he wants us to give him a bigger bag. We, we, uh, Bishop gave us a scripture this week about over in Psalms 81 about open up your mouth wide. Yes, praise so God. So I may fill it. Yes. So God is saying open up your desire. Open up, you know, for God to do more in your life. Get out of just little thinking and think, God, I'm ready for you to do the amazing in my life. Amen. Yes, amen. But when we consecrate, when we turn aside and we say, God, I'm yours every bit. I belong to you. He says, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. So what is consecration? It means to be set apart. It means to separate ourselves as men and women of God. Uncompromising. Surrendered. Dedicated. Laser focused on the things of God. And I like this one. It's an intentional shifting. Say shift. Shift. Intentional shifting to kingdom priorities. And it's also intense commitment. Amazing things. God, they will trigger amazing things in our lives. When we do that. When we take on that type of a consecration. God, I'm yours. I'm, I'm coming a little bit closer. I'm giving you a little bit more. Why? Because I want more. I believe more. I want amazing things to be done. Because I want you to get the glory. I want God to be glorified. Wait a minute if you want God to be glorified in your life. Amen. Amen. So we gotta, we got to do something. So in this time of consecration... We're serving and we're preparing an offering for building the house of God for this next season. I'm so excited. This is our fourth week, our fourth Sunday being in here. Isn't our fourth or fifth? Fourth. It's our fourth. Yeah, it's our fourth being, being in our building. And, and we got to be careful that we don't get so comfortable just that we have a building. But we know that we're stretching ourselves yes. to serve, to take on. I'm so um, appreciative of Nick and I guess Jennifer. Who came up last week and worked on the, on the Lord's parking lot? It was Nick and the... Terry and Nick and, and Terry and Latisha yeah. and Harry yep. and Jennifer. Nick, did you come by yourself? Rosie, did you come? Yeah. Okay. Praise Nosario God. So, who did? Nosario. 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 Praise God. Nosario was working on the Lord's rose bushes out there. Amen. Praise God. 
So, you know, um, taking ownership of the vision. Because we looked at the scripture last week that said Paul had seen a vision in the night, but as soon as he told all the people about it, they concluded, okay, well, God, Paul saw the vision, but when we heard it, immediately we sought to go, concluding that the Lord had called, called us yes. to go and preach in Macedonia. Well, that was what his vision was. A man pleaded saying, come preach to us in Macedonia. And so when he told the, the, his congregation about that, they said, well, come on, let's get ready to go. The Lord's called us to go. Yes. So because we have this vision to encourage, equip, and empower people here, that's our vision, not just mine. It's our vision, and we all lay hold of it, and we all do our part. Yes. Say our part. Our part. To get the vision done. And we, and we just take ownership of the things that we can do. Like Nick came up and, and scraped up the floor in the kitchen. Because we, you know, while this place looks really nice, but we want to bring it up to the next level. Amen. We want to get this carpet up. We want to scrape it up and stain the concrete. I'd like to take the ceiling out. I want to paint the walls. I want to change the stage. I want it to look a little more contemporary, a little more like today, right? Amen. And uh, then we want to build another sanctuary and classrooms and all of that. We're, you know, planning about how we want to do that. But every person has got to take ownership. Like if we have a paint day, say, okay, I'm using my time, my talent, and my treasure to support the kingdom of God. Amen. To consecrate, right? Yes. All right. Everybody good this morning? Amen. Let me see. Let's do our smiling exercises. Let me see you smile right quick. Come on, come on. Let me see. Let me see. Come on. Will, where'd you smile at? You charge your head when I said, let me see you smile. There we go. All right. Praise God. All right. Making sure y'all are happy today. Okay. So number one, let's talk about giving to build the house of God. Number one, giving to build the house of God is consecration. So we, we've read in scripture throughout this time that everywhere in scripture they got ready to build God a house. They called for the people of God to give to the house of God to build it. Yes. So... When Moses got ready to build the tabernacle, he said, y'all bring, we need gold, we need silver, we need um, linen, we need purple thread, we need scarlet thread, we need all these things. And all the people went home. He said, everyone whose start, heart is stirred, bring an offering to the Lord so we can get this thing built. Yeah. So people came and brought so much stuff that Moses said, look, we got too much stuff y'all don't bring anymore. Could you imagine the heaps and the piles of stuff? Wow. That, that they had to say, stop bringing it. We don't have any room to put all this stuff. Yeah. So then when David got ready to receive an offering, David didn't build the temple, but his son Solomon did. But David did the work of storing up stuff. They had a day of public giving where David stood up and gave. And then the people of God, um, all the, the leaders got up and gave. And then after the leaders gave, all the people got up and gave. Publicly, say publicly. publicly. It was public giving. Yes. They didn't. They didn't give in a back room somewhere. Everybody secretly bring up what they're giving. No, they brought armloads yes. and they gave it publicly. Say publicly. Publicly. They did public giving at bishops this um, past week, and it was so encouraging. Murray was there. He saw it for the first time. Was it not awesome? It was amazing. We, we were just honoring the bishop for the work that he's that he does in all of our lives as pastors. And, uh, you know, a pastor stepped up and gave, and the membership stepped up and gave, and it was public giving. You go to the mic, and you say what your name is, and you say what you're giving. It's, it was a public offering. And I'm telling you, the spirit of giving hit that place, yeah. and people started getting up and giving even after they'd already given. Were you there? It was amazing. Who was there that night? You were there. Okay, yeah. It was It was so powerful. To, to, because everyone, when people started to give, you're like, well, basically, aren't you supposed to, you're not supposed to let your left hand know what your right hand is doing when you're giving? That's when you give it to the poor. Yes. Yes. We're giving to God that day. Yes. So it's a day that we're going to rejoice. We're, it's going to be a supernatural day of giving to build the house 
of God. So in both cases, God called the people together to bring a free will offering and they gave publicly. Look where David, he stood up and gave in 1 Chronicles 29. He says, because I've set my affection. See, God wants our heart involved. Don't you dare just throw something at the offering. He wants your heart involved. What kind of giver does God love? A cheerful giver. A cheerful giver. So it says that he's unwilling to abandon or do without. A cheerful, prompt to do it giver whose heart is in his giving. But look at 1 Chronicles 29.3. David said, because I've set my affection on the house of my God, I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I prepare for the holy house, my own special treasure of gold and silver. And then he went on right there to talk about how many, how many tons of silver, how many tons of gold, how many tons of bronze, how many tons of marble slabs he had brought in. He told, he told how much he had given. And then the leaders stepped up and it told how much the leaders gave. When the individuals got up, it told how much. So that's where we get the principle and the concept for this, Dwight, is that it's in the Word of God that they stood up and they publicly gave to build the house of God. All right? So nobody's going to be tripping next week whenever we get ready to give publicly, right? Right. Amen? It's going to be a time of joy and a time of celebration. We've been preparing all this time for this offering. All right, 1 Chronicles 29.5, David gives this, this charge after he tells what he's given. He says, who then is willing to what? Consecrate himself this day to the Lord. And that word consecrate also means to fill his hands to the Lord. That's what it says in the margins of my Bible. It says, who then is willing to fill his hands to the Lord? Because we can fill our hands to a concert. We can fill our hands to the mall. We could fill our hands to... And we don't... You know what? We don't trip when we're filling our hands for to go to a concert, do we? That's how much it costs to Beyonce. Here you go. Here you go. Here's how much it costs for those new boots. Here you go. Here you go. There's a cost to building God's house. Amen? Amen. So we're given to build the house. Why? Because we care about kingdom things. We care about people. The people that we don't even have a sign up yet. Why are we not ready to put a sign up yet? But when we're ready, we're going to put that sign up because when people come in, you know, we want their lives to be changed. We're mindful of the harvest. We're not like other people who are just going through life to get what they can get or do whatever they can do. We're mindful of God's heart. My life is going to matter. Yes. For being here, yes. the year 2018 or 1963 until whatever year I go home to be with the Lord, my dash is going to mean something. Yes. Lives will be changed because I gave to the kingdom of God. Amen. My seed matters. My giving matters. It matters that other people get to know God like, like they need to get to know Him because this church is here and it exists to bring people near to God. Yes. Oh, I know I'm preaching good this morning. Yes. Praise God. Praise All right. So number two. So it is through our consecrated giving that God builds the kingdom of God in the earth. That's what makes it a holy place because the holy people of God give holy tithes and then when you take from what's left over it's holy and consecrated because you're a tither and a giver. Amen? Amen. And then you give and and, and that's where the, the overflow comes. We're, we're believing God for overflow that we got to do what it takes to trigger that overflow. Do you know that Jesus talked about money and the kingdom of God more than he talked about anything else? Amen. More than he ever even talked about heaven or hell. He talked about how to get blessings to you because it's important to God. He said, I've come that they might have life and they might have it more abundantly in, in abundance to the full till it overflows. How many of you know it is not abundant life if you live in broke Amen. or living paycheck to paycheck? Amen. That is not the will of God. Amen. And he came that we, that we might have life and have it more abundantly. Yeah, my ticket is punched for heaven. Hallelujah. Jesus paid the price for me. But while I'm living here, he wants me to be blessed. 
He expects us to be blessed. Hallelujah. All right, so why does God talk so much about giving in His Word? You know, when it comes to the human experience, we have a natural dependence on money. You want to see your life shut down? Shut your money off. Your life will shut down. So money, we have a tremendous respect for money. Think about it. We carry it with us wherever we go. We have access to it at all times. Come on, money is something that we have a tremendous respect for. It touches our lives every day. Finances. It's a huge part of our lives. So God has to include wisdom for it in his word. He has to include how for us to get better at it, better at, at better stewards at it. And I'm so excited about having classes on that and showing people how to be better stewards, how to get your credit straight, how to get yourself out of a mess if you're in a mess, how to get a mortgage, how to get a scholarship, you know, how to, how to, how to do those things. I'm excited about the things we're going to teach in the natural, but you've got to tap in <coughs> spiritually first. Yes. And that's through our tithes and offerings. Amen? Amen. So it's his system. Say system. System. For overflow. For overflow. And it triggers an outpouring when we give. So, why? Why would he say give to trigger an outpouring? Because it's the opposite of the way we think. The way we think is hold on to it. We, we have money. We give so much respect to money. It's like hold on to it. Right? Hold on to it. Be careful with it. You know, you're afraid of not going to have enough. You'll be careful with it. See, God's thinking is give. And it shall be given unto you. See, Isaiah 55, 9 says, My thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are my ways your ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So we got to think his thoughts and think his way. Reprogram our thinking about money. Money is a tool. Money is a servant to us. It follows us. We're not following after money. We're following after God. And as we follow after God, we say, come on, money, follow me. And be a tool to me. All right, number two. Unlocking overflow through my oh, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> unlocking overflow through my kingdom giving. I had a real cup of coffee this morning. Can y'all tell? <laughs> I am zooming. <laughs> all right, all right. So our giving entitles us to financial increase and supernatural supply. So our giving it entitles us to it. When we give, we're entitled to overflow. So my giving entitles me, say entitles me, entitles to financial me. increase and supernatural supply. Look what it says when I give. This is God's way, Luke 6.38. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. It's not magic. It's not like the lottery. It is a principle in the Word of God that when I work the principles of the Word of God, it has to come back to me in my life. If God didn't mean it, He shouldn't have put it in the book. Amen. He says, try me now in this and see if I won't pour you out such blessing. You'll not have room enough to receive it. Yes. I'm telling you, I've tried it. When I became a tither and a giver, when I first got saved, thank God that I had a pastor who was willing to stand flat-footed and teach God's Word. Yes. He didn't write the Bible. God wrote the Bible. And I didn't write the Bible. God wrote the Bible. Amen. Right. Right. I'm not a pastor trying to get something from you. But God wants to get something to you through your giving. Yes. And so that's why I stand today committed to teach people about what God says about giving and receiving. Because it's His way to increase. Yes. And when I began to sow and give, I had just started my little business, Dwight. It was just on the backside of nowhere in Old Town Spring. Nobody could even see where I was. 
But when I began to give, I, I gave tithes, which is the tenth part of my income. I gave 10%. And I would even give, you know what? I began to tithe on what I wanted to make. Yes. Amen. I, gave, I gave way more than I was making just because I could. I owned my own business, but but it was it was just a small business. But I was delighted in my little increase that I that I had going right then. But as I became a tither and a giver, God says, "Open the." He said, "He said I'll open up the windows of heaven. Your giving triggers it. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse yes. and try me now in this," says the Lord of Hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour you out such blessing, you will not have room enough to receive it. My little studio blew up so much. That I did not have room to receive all the people who were calling on the phone trying to get an appointment. Praise God. It was supernatural how the floodgates just opened. And that's what God wants to do in our lives. And he's proven it over all these years. Even when I heard the voice of God about stepping out of faith to become a full-time minister and I sold my studio. I sold it ever since then. God has taken good care of me. Good care of me. Amen? Amen. So... It says it be put into your bosom. God speaks to somebody somewhere to use their power, ability, and influence to help you. It's not that money's going to come growing on your trees at your house or come raining down while you sleep or you wake up and a bed is full of money. That's not what's going to happen. It's not magic. But God starts to talk to somebody or he starts to talk to you. He'll give you a dream, a vision, an idea. He'll give you a plan of action. You can expect to have the strength to endure whatever you're going through. Whatever you tithe and you give, God begins to speak to other people to help you in ways that you can't help yourself. Amen. A door will open that your education couldn't open. A door will open that money couldn't open for you. God will cause ideas and deals and things to land in your lap as you give. Yes. Praise God. The the New Century Version says, given you will receive. You'll be given much, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. It will spill into your lap. Woo! Things begin to land in your lap. People say, I don't know why I'm doing this for you. Or we don't normally do this. Mm Mm-hmm. The way you give to others is the way God will give to you. So there's four types of giving to give back to God. Number one is systematic giving. Systematic giving. That's your regular tithes and offerings. Systematic giving. You don't have to pray about that. You just look at what your numbers are. What did I make? What did I earn? 10% belongs to God. It's not mine. It's his. I return it, right? Yes. The 10th part, I give that back to him. I'm not giving it. I'm returning it because the Bible says that it's his. I return the tithe to him. Look at Leviticus 27:30. And all the tithe, the tenth of the land, whether of the seed of the land or of the fruit of the tree, it is the Lord's. It is holy to the Lord. Whose is it? The Lord's. Whose is it? The Lord's. So that tenth part is not mine. It doesn't belong to me. It belongs to God. It's holy to the Lord. So you don't want it in with your stuff. You want to take it out and return it to the Lord. So A, giving does not begin until the tithe has been returned. So he says... He says, um, return to me. Well, what way shall we return to you? This is Malachi chapter 3. In what way shall we return return to you? He says, in tithes and offerings. In tithes and offerings. Because the tithe, you return that to him, that just gets you square with God. You still have 100% of your money. Then you take the 90%, out of the 90%, you honor him with an offering. And that offering is where he's able to, to, to do the good measure, press down, shaking together, and running over. That's where it comes flowing back in. So look at Malachi 3.10. Bring all the tithes 
into the storehouse that there may be food in my house or plenty in my house. And try me now in this. Underline that. Try me now. This is the only scripture where God says, try me now besides salvation. He says, now is the day of salvation. He doesn't say try it. He's going to do it. Try me now in this, says the Lord of hosts. If I will not open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you such blessing, there will not be room enough to receive it. B, tithing is the minimum commitment of the believer. It's the minimum commitment as far as giving goes. Tithing is the minimum commitment of the believer. Proverbs 3, 9 through 10 says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first and best part of all your income. Then your barns will be full and your vats will overflow with fresh wine. That's not just, we're not talking about barns, we're talking about your income, your what you have left. It'll be, um, you'll, you'll be able to overflow on it. It's like, that just doesn't make sense. But you know what, it doesn't make sense. But God will cause it to stretch further. He'll, he'll allow you to be able to do more, like stuff won't wear out. I mean, I have seen it too many times, over too many years. So Genesis 8, 22, it says, while the earth remains... Seed time and harvest shall not cease. So as long as you're putting seed in the ground out there, you plant mustard seeds, you're going to get a mustard tree. You plant a watermelon, you're going to get what? Watermelon. Seed time and harvest, it's not going to cease. You can, you, can, you can take that to the bank. So is it true in the spirit realm. When you sow into the kingdom of God, harvest is coming back to you. So we systematically give according to this promise. And so if we will honor God first with our money, it positions us for blessings. So everybody get that systematic giving? The tithe is systematic giving. And giving offerings over and above every week, that's systematic giving. The number two is spontaneous giving. So the first one is what kind of giving? Systematic. Systematic. The second kind is spontaneous giving. This is where I hadn't planned to give, but God moved on my heart to step up and to give. So... um, the power of the Holy Spirit is the one who leads you in spontaneous giving. That little nudge you feel to give. And then you got to be bold to obey. Mm-hmm. When God speaks to you to give, you have to be bold. Don't choke. Mm-hmm. When he speaks to you, you have to, you have, to have that follow-through power. Follow-through power. Because if he speaks to you about a seed, then that means that there's a need that you have. If he speaks to you about a seed, then that means there's a harvest on his mind to give to you. Amen. So intrusive thoughts to give. Sometimes he says it to you more than once. Sometimes he'll say it to you, and then your spouse will say, have you heard anything from God about giving? Sometimes it's like God will speak to two of you about the same thing. Zacchaeus is a wonderful example of spontaneous giving. He was a tax collector. He used to cheat cheat people. He was a terrible little guy, a little short guy. Then he climbed a tree, heard Jesus was coming to town. So he climbed the tree so he could see, because he couldn't see over everybody. So he was like, here comes, here's a sycamore tree. Let me climb up in that tree. So he climbed up in the tree so he could get a good look at Jesus going by. And Jesus knew that he had stretched, he consecrated in a sense, to get closer to see God going by. So he climbed up that tree. And Jesus stopped. And everybody couldn't stand Zacchaeus. He was cheating everybody. How many, how many people like the IRS? If they called you, fear would hit your heart. That's how everybody felt about Zacchaeus. And he was a cheater. He was a thief. But he had the power. So Zacchaeus climbed up in this tree. Jesus goes by and Jesus stops and says, Zacchaeus, get down out of that tree, boy. I'm going to go to your house to eat today. Everybody's like, <laughs> Why would you go to his house? 
Zacchaeus the chief, but Jesus is there as Zacchaeus is out. And he perceived everybody was talking about that outside, all the people. Zacchaeus realized it. And here's what Zacchaeus said. Zacchaeus spontaneously, he wasn't there not giving when he climbed that tree. When Jesus came to his heart, got in the presence of God. God moved on his heart to give. And to put things right. Come on, somebody say, put things right. Luke 19, 8, it says, Then God's Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor. And if I take anything from anyone else by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Oh, Zacchaeus got it right that day. You know, God will speak to you about giving a certain thing or sowing a certain thing. I'll never forget, I was on an airplane. I may have shared this with you all not long ago, but I was on an airplane. I had just gotten a brand new crown written for Christmas, this beautiful gold crown. It looked like a crown. And it just was a, a blessing to me because my name is Sally, and Sally means princess. So I'm like, there's my princess ring going on with my princess name. And I just loved that ring. It was gold. I didn't have it on at the moment. I was on the aircraft, and I carried my jewelry with me just in case my, my uh, luggage got lost. I'm on the aircraft. I started talking with the lady in front of me. She was also a preacher. We were sharing some stuff. Man, the Holy Ghost got hold of me. He said, give her your ring. I'm like, oh, I know that's the devil. <laughs> devil, get off my shoulder. Get thee behind me, Satan. But the more I sat there, the more that God dealt with my heart. Give her your ring. I looked at her hands, all she had on myself. I'm like, God, she don't even like gold. <laughs> so I finally said, I reached down and got my bag out. I pulled the ring out while I was still talking to her. And she kind of looked at me. She looked at the ring in her hand and I said, God spoke to me and gave me this ring. By then, I'd already let go of it and had it in my hand. And I saw the look on her face that just, she lit up. God had been speaking something to her. That ring wasn't about, you know, money or whatever. It was about that God had spoken something to her heart. And it confirmed what God was saying to her. She didn't even fully explain it. By then, you know, I was just all caught up in it. And I didn't care. I just wanted, I was just so excited that God had done something because I let go of that ring in my heart. And you know what that did? I, I was so glad that it blessed her. And I'm sure she told that testimony where look, God gave me a ring on a plane. She never remembered my name, but she remembered God gave her a ring yeah. on that plane. Yeah. And it triggered something in my life. I'm telling you, for the next year, everybody, lots of people, every time I turned around, somebody was giving me a piece of jewelry. Saying, God's been dealing with me about a month to give you this necklace. God's been telling me for a week to bring. He just talked to me all week long about giving you this ring. I mean, it triggered jewelry to come back to me. Give it, it shall be given unto you. And it wasn't just one ring or one piece of jewelry, but lots of people over the whole year. I mean, I probably got, I don't know, 10 or 12 different pieces of jewelry that year because it's true. Amen. What God's Word says is true. Amen? But that was a moment of spontaneous giving. So maybe you didn't plan to give. Um, you know, a certain amount next week. Maybe you plan to give $500. Maybe you plan to give $100. But God says, I want you to stretch to $150. I want you to stretch to $200. You know, stretch. Because that means God's got a harvest in mind for you. And you know what? Every time somebody gave me a ring, it was like God gave me a ring. Amen. Every time somebody gave me something, it was like God spoke to them. This is really from God. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. All right, then the, what was the first kind of giving? Systematic. What's the second one? The third one is sacrificial giving. When it's a sacrifice. It's hard to give. It's, it doesn't have to wipe you out or deplete you, but it's a sacrifice. Like maybe you saved up your Starbucks money. 
That's a sacrifice. That's Starbucks. I mean, that's Starbucks. It, 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 it's got you. The flesh lets you know in the morning, it's time for our Starbucks. <laughs> what time are we going through Starbucks? It sits on my shoulder all day. What time is Starbucks? Let's go get our Starbucks. And that's a sacrifice. When you sacrifice that and you save up the money for it, Lord, I'm going to give that as an offering. Amen. Sacrificial giving. Now look here. 2 Corinthians 8, 1 through 3. Now, friends, I don't want to report on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working in the churches in Macedonia province. Fierce troubles came down on the people of these churches, pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected, an outpouring of pure and generous gifts. I was there and saw it for myself. They gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could afford. My Lord. Wow. So they pressed beyond. You know, even what they what they felt like they could give, they pressed. The spirit of giving hit them and they gave sacrificially. And Paul was like, I was there. I saw it for myself. Even though these people had very little, little they gave sacrificially. What I want to know is what it triggered in their lives. Yeah. Yeah. What the overflow looked like. That must have been something to see. Yeah. All right? A. It positions you. Whenever you give sacrificially, it positions you for supernatural supply. When you give sacrificially, it positions you for supernatural supply. When you give sacrificially, it positions you for supernatural supply. And we, we read about the, the widow at Zarephath and Elijah. So let's read about it right quick. It says, so he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, indeed, a widow was there gathering sticks. And he called her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And as she was going to get it, see, she didn't, she didn't get afraid about getting the water, but she had plenty of water. It wasn't a sacrifice to give water. So she's on her way to go get what was easy. Mm -hmm. And then the man of God asked for a sacrifice. As she was going to get it, he called to her and said, please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. So she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin. And a, uh, in a bin and a little jar of oil, and a little oil in a jar. And see, I'm gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat it and die. Verse 13, and Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you've said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. So one translation says right there, so make a small cake from it first to me and bring it to me and then afterwards make a meal for you and your son. So as soon as she gives the cake, There'll be plenty for her to have a meal and not just one cake and die. All right. Verse 14. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord. Come on, say supernatural supply, y'all. Supernatural Until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. Verse 15. So she went away and did according to the word of Elijah. She went and prepared a seed when she was hungry. She prepared a seed for him when she was hungry. And then she and her household ate. For many days, the bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry. Say supernatural supply. According to the word of the Lord, which he spoke by Elijah. All right. So A, what does it do? A, positions you for supernatural supply. And then B, it gets God's attention. That sacrificial offering that she gave, it got God's attention. And when you give sacrificially, it's between you and God. God knows if it's a sacrifice or it's just something. Mm-hmm. God knows the difference. Luke 21, 1 through 4. It says that he looked up. This is Jesus. He looked up and saw them put the rich putting their gifts into the treasury. Verse 2. And he also 
saw a certain poor widow putting in two mites. So he said, truly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all. For all these have put in out of their abundance. They, they, uh, for all these out of their abundance have put in offerings for God. But she out of her poverty put in all the livelihood that she had. Now God's not asking for it all, but that was the sacrifice that she put in. She had an all witness and she put it all in. I'm not saying that's what you should do. Your sacrificial offering does not have to deplete you. Come on, y'all. But, but God knows when it is a sacrifice. So see, it pleases God while it triggers supply. Your sacrificial offering pleases God. You know, the Philippians, they sent an offering to Paul while he was out preaching the gospel. It was sacrificial for them. They were a poor people, but they were so generous. And they sacrificially gave for the kingdom of God. And then Paul talked about their offering. Look what he said about their offering. Philippians 4, 18. He said, it went up to God a sweet-smelling aroma, an acceptable sacrifice. What? Well, pleasing to God. And look what it says, what it triggers. And now, my God, shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. A lot of people like to quote that part of the scripture, verse 19, but you've got to back up to 18 where they gave sacrificially. And it went up before God, a sweet-smelling aroma. When you give sacrificially this way, you think it's just going in the church. No, it goes up to a heavenly account. It goes up to the nostril of God, a sweet-smelling savor. Why? Anytime it was a sacrifice. When you went into the tabernacle of God, the very first place that you came to was the the altar of sacrifice. And they would put the uh, the sacrifice on the altar, and the aroma would go up before God and would satisfy the judgment of the sin of the people. But how many of you know, when Jesus, the ultimate sacrifice, went on the altar. It came up before God. It came up to the mercy seat. The mercy seat in heaven was sprinkled with the love of God and the blood of God. And, and, And so that sacrificial seed goes up before God. It's a sacrifice. Yes. And it comes up before God. God sees it. It gets His attention and it pleases God. Amen. While it triggers supply. And now, my God, shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. All right? D, it worships God. So A, it positions you for supernatural supply. It gets God's attention. It pleases God while it triggers that supply. And then D, it worships God. Your supernatural giving is a worship offering to God. It worships. It worships him. John 12, 3, it says, Then Mary took a pound. A very costly oil of spikenard. Anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the oil. Now what I love about John here. Because Matthew wrote about it and Mark wrote about it. But they said a woman. A woman came in. And she poured some oil on Jesus' head. But John breaks it down and calls name. It was Mary. That Mary, Mary who used to be a sinner in the city. Come on now. Yeah. Mary was a prostitute. Come on. And John said, hey, let's just call names. And it wasn't on his head. It was on his feet. 
That girl was all down by his feet, pouring oil on his feet. She poured the whole thing out. Worth a a whole year's wages. She extravagantly gave to Jesus. She poured it out on his feet. It was such an intimate thing that the other guys wouldn't even write about it. She washed his feet with her tears. And then when she couldn't, she saw the mess she'd made with her tears on his dirty feet. Nobody else had washed Jesus' feet. But she took her hair and she dried his feet with her hair. It was a very intimate, very, very lavish moment of giving that the other guys said we better not write about that we all felt a little uncomfortable about her lavish giving but John just said it like it was the girl got down and gave she poured it all out on Jesus a year's it took a year it's a year's worth of wages that she poured out on Jesus feet Judas said, why this waste? Why this indignant? Why this waste? This could have been sold. We could have given it to the poor. And he didn't care about the poor. He used to take the money. He was a thief. He used to take the money in the bag. He was like, I could have, I could have used that to buy me a new car. <laughs> Jesus said, leave her alone. Leave her alone. Let her give that way. But, but the part that I like is that the aroma filled the whole house. Mm-hmm. The aroma fills heaven mm-hmm. when we give sacrificially, yes. when yes. we give extravagantly. Yes. It's worship to God. Yes. It comes up before Him as worship. God sees yes. your picture in heaven. He sees your faith attached to your worshipful giving like that. Hallelujah. Praise God. So others called it waste. But Jesus said, wherever my story is told, this girl's story is going to be told right alongside mine. Come on now. That's good. Mm -hmm. All right, number four. Special worshipful giving. Just like she did. She did a special worshipful giving. Three times a year, God asked for the children of Israel to come and present themselves before him and worship him with a public offering. They were called feasts. Deuteronomy 26, 2 and 10 and 11. It says, take some of the first of all the produce of the ground. Now, we we don't do produce, but we do paychecks, right? Take some of the first of all the produce of the ground, which you shall bring from your land that the Lord your God has given you, and put it in a basket, and go to the place where the Lord your God chooses to make his name abide. Then you shall set it there. So say Acceleration Church. Then you shall set it before the Lord your God, and worship before the Lord your God. So you shall rejoice in every good thing which the Lord your God has given you and your house. So it's a time to say, God... I thank you for all you've given me, all the blessings. I thank you for my job. I thank you for all these people that are my people, my family, God. I thank you for the house I live in, the car that I drive. I thank you, Lord, for the abundance. As I was in the shower this morning, I was like, God, thank you for hot water. Amen. I was thinking about those people on the other side of the of the uh, border that are, you know, just walking their way to get somewhere. You know, whether they get to come to the United States or not, that's still a terrible position that these people are in. It's a terrible position to be fleeing from where you are. So it may be that that criminals are trying to get here. I don't know. But I know there's a lot of families and a lot of people who are living without any hot water or shower or a clean towel or whatever. You know, it's, 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 it's terrible. And I just thought, you know what? How dare I get in and out of the shower and not say thank you, God? How dare I get this hot water on me and shampoo and soap in my hand? This bar, thank you, God, for this bar of soap. How dare I not 
recognize that other people were not so fortunate to be born in the United States of America. Yes. And today they're, they're just, you know, hoping for a biscuit. Yes, praise God. How dare I not worship God with a, with a, with a, uh, an offering? How dare I not bring some back and say, God, I just want to thank you. This is yours. This is, it's, I have this because you've given it to me. What a beautiful way to honor God. So next day we're going to have, a, next next Sunday we have a day of honoring God with a special offering. And it's going to be a day of rejoicing. We're not going to be sad. We're not going to be down using it. Nobody's going to step to the mic and cry. But it's going to be a day of rejoicing. Amen. We're going to step up and we're going to be ready to give. Cheerful, prompt to do it givers. We're going to rejoice. And uh, it's going to be awesome. And it's going to trigger something in your life. I'm telling you, God said to do this. So I'm excited about it. So we're fasting or we're praying or we're consecrating ourselves because the enemy comes to oppose giving. So why do you think the enemy comes to, to, to oppose giving? You know, so strongly. We don't get a weird feeling whenever, you know, it comes time to give for the Beyonce tickets, right? We don't get a weird feeling when they say um, at the grocery store that'll be $59.95. We don't get a weird feeling. We just pay it, Right? But whenever it comes to giving into the kingdom of God, sometimes we just get, you start talking about giving, people start shifting and start feeling uncomfortable. Like, Pastor, get out of our pocket. Why are you trying to mess with my finances? It's such a big part. It's not me. I didn't write the Bible. Hunter Davis says she didn't write the Bible. Yeah, I did not write the Bible. God wrote the Bible. But we have to talk about giving because it's God's way to bring increase to your life. So you have to shake off those thoughts. Those, those words that will be coming to your mind that says, don't give, you know, you need that money for something else. You had planned to give this amount, and then you say, well, let me just give half. Is that the devil talking you out of your blessing? Amen. Amen. So, where am I here? All right. So, the enemy is going to come to, um, you know, oppose all that, that God wants you to do. So we, ha- we can't cave into his rhetoric. And we know, how, do, how does he talk to us? How does the devil talk to us? Thank you. Thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. How does he talk to us? You can remember by saying tis. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Through thoughts, ideas, and suggestions. It starts with a suggestion in your mind. How did he deal with Eve? Has God not said? He just... That you can eat from every tree? And it got her to thinking about, hmm, well, why can't I eat from every tree? God's trying, well, God doesn't want you to be like him. She should have said, fool, shut up. He already made me in his image and his likeness. <laughs> so you have to you have to come against every thought, right? Yes. So what does Peter say? Peter says, resist him steadfast in the faith. So what happens when I sow seed? Number one, it's a testimony. When I sow my seed, when I stand here next week and I give my I give my offering, when I worship God with my offering, I come forward and I rejoice with everyone else. It's a testimony because my seed says, look what the Lord has done. Hey, I was a homeless teenager, never even finished high school. There's no way I should be standing here with something to give. I should have been a statistic. I should have been part of the, the odds. I should have came to the odds. But no, God said not so in my life. And he has blessed me. And the one who never even finished high school has become a teacher. Amen. Hallelujah. So how dare I not stand up here and worship God with an offering. Amen. Glory to God. It's a testimony for what he's done in my life. It testifies of the goodness of God in your life. So number one, it's a what? 
Number two, it traumatizes the devil. You're giving. Your offering traumatizes the devil. God gave an offering that traumatized the devil and shut him down forever. Jesus <laughs> was the offering that traumatized the devil ultimately. But your offering, every time he tried to tell you that giving won't work for you. This says, oh yes it will. I demonstrate to him that it will work. Because I obeyed the pro- I just obeyed the process. So now... Uh, surplus is coming to me. I position myself to receive God's financial prosperity promises and it's just a matter of time. So number one, it's what? It's a testimony. Number two, it does what? Say that a little bit louder. It what? Oh, he better be ready next week. He's going to get a beat down. The number three, I'm teaching others. Others will remember when I stood up and testified with my seed. Others will see my worship and my commitment to give and they're motivated to give. David gave first. Then the leader. So as soon as I give, I will give first next Sunday. I'm giving a thousand dollars. So I'm giving my offering first next week. And then the leaders, I want y'all to step up and give right after me. Amen. Stand up if you're a leader in here. If you're a leader, stand up. Stand up. Leaders, stand up. Alright? Leaders are giving next. Praise the Lord. Leaders. Alright? So leaders are giving and then and then everybody else is giving right after the leaders. So leaders. Don't come and get your envelope ready. Take your envelope with you when you go today. And have it ready when you come back next week. What did God say? Prepare it and put it in a basket and bring it and set it before the Lord. So don't, don't, we're not going to put it in a basket, but just bring it in an envelope. Amen. Amen. And set it before the Lord. So be prepared with it, leaders. I want y'all to step up first. And then everyone else is going to give right in behind them. Amen? Amen. So you're teaching others. Others are going to see y'all, leader. They're, leaders, they're going to see me give, then they're going to see y'all give. And then it'll be, the spirit of giving is going to hit this place. Amen. And we're going to end up with um, spontaneous giving and giving more than we plan to give. All right? So number one, my giving is what? A, number two, what does it do? Number three. And number four, I talk of my relationship with God in indisputable terms. When I give, I talk about my relationship with God in indisputable terms. I'm sold out to God. Amen? When God got ready to give His seed, Jesus, He talked about His love and His relationship with me in indisputable terms. Hallelujah. When He gave His gift, the ultimate gift, the ultimate sacrifice, Jesus, He wasn't ashamed to own me publicly. He owned me publicly. It was public giving at a place called Calvary. Say that word, Calvary. On Calvary's hill, they, they put a, he, he carried his own cross all the way to Calvary's hill. It was a public demonstration of his love for me. He stopped on the way and gave his back. It was a public scourging as he held onto the post as they whipped his back 39 times and they punched his face and they spit on him. It was in public. It was on his way to where? Calvary. Come on, say that word, Calvary. He was on his way to Calvary. It was a public demonstration in indisputable terms of how much God loves me, that God gave. So I'm not ashamed to own him publicly next Sunday here at the altar. He gave his special seed to me publicly, not on the back side of Jerusalem, not on the back side of, of Calvary's hill, not in a ditch or in a valley somewhere, but on a hill called Calvary. The Bible says that they stretched him well. I think it's an old song that says they stretched him wide and they hung him high right there on a hill called Calvary. Amen. So it wasn't in a back alley. It was somewhere where everyone could see. Now it was, it was on a hill. It was at Golgotha's hill called Calvary. Somebody say Calvary again. So he announced it to 42 generations. One of these days 
on a hill. I'm going to give a seed that will liberate the world. Yes. And he did it there on Calvary. How much more when it comes to me giving my seed? I don't want to do it behind closed doors. I don't want to do it quiet where no one sees. But I'm going to stand up and be counted with the righteous. Somebody say amen. Because he carried that cross to Calvary. Nails in his hands. Nails in his feet. Crown of thorns on his head. Blood streaming down. Hanging between two thieves. Soldiers casting lots for his clothes. Sign above his head says king of the Jews. The whole world was watching, right? Demons were dancing because of what? They thought they had won, right? Mary watched her baby suffering where? The sun refused to shine where? Calvary. But before the entire world, he gave his precious son. And so next week, we're going to stand and we're going to give our seed right here. Because he wasn't afraid to own me publicly. I'm not afraid to own him with my giving publicly right in front of everybody. God has blessed me. And I'm not ashamed of it. I live in the United States of America. And I'm proud to live here. Amen. I'm proud that he's blessed me. Proud that he's given me all these things to enjoy in my life. So I will come surely. And say, the, the Lord, he who is mighty, has done unto me mighty things. And he alone gets the glory and the honor and the praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Hallelujah. Come on and give him some praise right there. God for Calvary. My deliverance came because of Calvary. Hallelujah. I was liberated because of Calvary. Amen. I was brought near to him because of Calvary. I became a child of God. An heir and joint heirs with Jesus Christ because of Calvary. A very public public display of God's love. So I'm going to give him a public display of my love. Hallelujah. Father, we bless you this morning. We thank you, Lord, for this word that's been sown in our hearts. So God, we thank you that we turn our hearts toward you. And Lord, as we prepare this final week of consecration, this final week of of, of, uh, praying and fasting and believing, Lord, that that great, amazing things are going to come out of this time of consecration. Lord, we just thank you, Lord, that you're doing great things among us, mighty works among us. We thank you that the worship has gone to a whole nother level, Lord. We praise you. I hear the sound of a drummer. I hear the sound of a drummer. I hear the sound of many voices singing on this stage. Yeah. Father, we call forth uh, worshipers. We call forth men, women, boys, and girls, people of our lives. We call forth a drummer. Everybody point to this stage. Yeah. Point to the stage. Say, drummer. Come forth in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Keep pointing to the stage. Say, singers, come forth in Jesus' name. Musicians, come forth in Jesus' name. Say, we receive it now according to your word.